This is the VIP Late Lunch with Lee Sterry on the Voice of Niagara, News Talk 610 CKTV. Good afternoon. Welcome into Thursday, November the 16th. Actually, not a bad day for the 16th of November, weather-wise. It can change on a moment's notice, but right now we're okay. Uh, Welcome into the program. This is Legal Matters Thursday. We do this every Thursday between 1 and 1.30 with Chris Richard of Graves & Richard, Niagara's largest personal injury law firm. Now, uh, Chris is on assignment today. Uh, He's in court uh, trying to help out one of his many clients come uh, to a successful conclusion of whatever operation that they're involved with right now. So what we're going to do is we're going to take you back to a conversation that we had a while ago that's still relevant today because uh, it sort of dovetails with the fact that uh, the student vote took place today at Ontario's colleges. Uh, Brock University and uh, the community college students are still in residence here in Niagara. And it was big headlines a few weeks ago, RE street parties taking place, and uh, Chris came in with an idea that it might be a good idea to give folks uh, a perspective on street party liability and responsibility and uh, how this actually relates to what it is he does. Yeah, I I actually thought of it because I have a, a number of friends that live on Winterberry. <laughs> <laughs> so they said, Chris, can you do something? In Thorold, yeah, and I, and I see them on Facebook and talk to them, and they're uh, not very happy right now with, uh, with what's going on. Well, I'm sure they're parties. frustrated. Yeah. I mean, it's terrible, and that particular neighborhood has transitioned over the last little while where when it was new construction just being built, there wasn't that much student housing, and over the course of the last number of years, it's transitioned, so there's quite a bit of student housing. And uh, a few years back, I actually lived um, back behind the Penn Center um, off of Briarsdale, and yeah, and nice, happened, nice area back in there. Yeah, and yeah. what's happened there is every time a house would go for sale, uh, one of the residents who lived there you know, since that area was was built, uh, when those houses would go for sale, they would they kept being purchased uh, for student housing. And then you have some of those issues develop, like happened on mm. J- Jacobson last year, where yeah. the street was basically closed down. So being a little bit cursed like I am when when I hear these stories and see this, uh, I first think about huh, what kind of liability issues might arise. Yeah, and it, you know what I should have been, in in uh, relative to pl- planning the show, I should have thought of that there because people are roaming the streets and they're drinking alcohol and there's all kinds of stuff going on. Yeah, so uh, we were talking a little bit off air before we we started, and one of the things to conclude is really the law doesn't provide a lot of good answers to this problem. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> And I and I'm talking a little bit out of school on this, but I I had in my office we did a little bit of work to to say like other than civil liability, what what other types of of civil enforcement procedures might there be? Yeah, what regulations, if anything, or, or or parameters do we have to work with? Yeah, so we're largely talking with bylaw infractions here. So yes, uh, the city of St. Catharines can create bylaws regulating uh, behavior on on public property and uh, noise complaints, uh, things like that. And the police can enforce those bylaws and and all of that straightforward. And that's what's been happening. But that's always after the fact, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, there's a problem that they're reacting to. So people are already upset. Yeah. So I looked a little further and said, okay, is there, is there anything else that can be done 
in order to prevent this. And one of the things that that we found people have tried in respective parties is to get an injunction. So they go to court and they say, oh, this type of behavior is happening quite a bit and uh, we would like an injunction to prevent parties from being held because it's a, a public nuisance. And who's the we? Who would, who, would, who would apply for that injunction? Anybody that's affected. So neighbors could, could apply for that. It could be neighbors, community group, or whatever. That's right. Okay. So uh, so there are cases where that is, has happened. Uh, we were able to locate a BC case from 2010 where several several neighbors brought uh, an application for an injunction in order to prevent parties from happening. So a little bit proactive. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's interesting. They ultimately successful. And then if you get the injunction and you breach the injunction, then you're in breach of a court order. And then there can be, uh, you can be held in contempt of court and we can actually have the the wheels start moving. Yeah. Yeah, There's a little bit of of teeth there. Yeah. Uh, Now, couple of points about that. Uh, one, who do you get the injunction against is is an interesting question. Yeah. Um, you know, it's questionable in these situations how much the landlord really has control over over the premises. They're renting out the space for a fee. Uh, the students themselves are adults who are responsible for their own actions and they're the ones throwing and hosting the parties. So I think to be effective, the injunction would likely have to be against the individual tenants uh, that reside in the home. Okay. Uh, which So the people that have signed that, that lease or whatever it is, we're the residents and this is our this is where we stay, so when 500 people show up... That's right. And uh, I think... Uh, in many situations, it's not necessarily the students that are signing the leases, but their parents are signing the leases. Oh, it, yes. So I think you could also seek the injunctive relief as against the parents. Oh, mom and dad would be so proud. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> now the thing about this is, this is an expensive procedure, right? To, to go to the court to get the evidentiary basis required to get injunctive relief, to hire a lawyer, to yeah. have that argument yeah. made. It's a little bit novel in that it's not what you typically see in terms of injunctive relief. So you're definitely talking about thousands and thousands of dollars to get this injunction. And you could likely only get it after there's already been a number of problems. Right. So um, we, we joked around in the office once we saw the case and, and we said, you know, how angry do you have to be? About these parties to spend five or ten thousand dollars trying to get uh, injunctive relief. But then again, if you see what is ha- what happened at that street in Thorough Winterberry, is that the name? Winterberry, of it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it would have been as as a person that owned a property on that street. If that's me, I would be pretty damned upset. Absolutely. And I don't know if you've been to the street, but they're very nice homes on that street. It's a beautiful street. Absolutely. Um, And, you know, similarly, we saw the same thing, I think it was last year, maybe two years ago, on Jacobson, uh, the street that runs Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, So, very similar circumstances. So, interesting, I I, I haven't seen that it's been done in Ontario. This was a a BC Mm -hmm. neighborhood that involved conceivably although it's certainly outside the area of what i do it's kind of an interesting argument that uh but it does it or could intersect with what you do depending on what happens at a particular episode on on a particular night or day or whatever right uh 
I think there are some liability issues, and we'll talk about those probably after the break. Yeah, we'll yeah we'll do but, that after the break. Yeah, but if, from the injunction itself, the purpose of the injunction would be to prevent the behavior from occurring. So it would be to prevent the party, right, so to speak, as opposed to getting compensation for the fact uh, that it happened. Interesting concept here. Uh, wild house parties. <laughs> we have been talking up to this point about um, teenage university student, college student, street party, house parties that get out of hand. Uh, and it's become a really sort of highlighted issue here in Niagara over the last couple of weeks. Now, we're going to slide into what sort of uh, coincides with your business in the personal injury area because when something like this is going on, liability eventually comes into play. Uh, absolutely. And, uh, just as I was sitting here on the break, it occurred to me that I have a kid who's going to college next year. Maybe, yeah. maybe I should have him Good luck to... with that. <laughs> <laughs> this maybe is a more personal issue for me than I than I thought. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe you should go over this with her. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, one of the key issues uh, that comes up from a liability perspective is issues involving alcohol and accidents and things that can happen, uh, both falls and car mm-hmm. accidents that can arrive from that. Now, in law, uh, there was a Supreme Court of Canada decision a number of years ago that basically decided, with a few exceptions, that there is no social host liability in Canada. Which means what? It uh, means that if, as adults, I'm at your house and you serve me a bunch of alcohol and I leave your house intoxicated, uh, you're not responsible for my actions. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So as a general principle, that is the law of Canada. It was a case from the Supreme Court of Canada, fairly recent. We don't expect that to be different anytime soon. Uh, in my industry, we're actually a little disappointed when that decision came out because we thought there were situations where, as a public safety measure... The host could be liable. Or maybe should be. Or maybe should be. In yeah, the okay. sense that we might all be safer if there was some responsibility there. Okay. All right. Uh, but anyways, that is not the law. With some exceptions. And one of those exceptions involves underage drinking. So if you are somebody who is providing alcohol to somebody who is underaged, then it's an open question at the Supreme Court of Canada whether or not that might attract liability. And there's a bunch of trial-level decisions where, in fact, liability has been imposed for providing alcohol to minors. So why are we talking about this? Well, if you're a freshman at uh, Brock University, for example, you're 18 years old. You're not a minor in terms of being a child, but you're not old enough to drink yet. Mm-hmm. So, uh, where are you getting that alcohol? If that alcohol is being provided by another student or somebody at the home, uh, and it may not even matter, we'll talk about a couple of cases, uh, then the person that's throwing the party can be, in law, held responsible should the person who's under the legal drinking age injure themselves, or should they get in a vehicle and drive and and injure somebody else? Mm -hmm. So those are arguments that are still open, and like I say, many trial-level decisions where liability has been found. Now, some kind of interesting cases that have come out. Uh, We have uh, a case uh, out of 2007 in Ontario, and the facts are are kind of interesting. So uh, against uh, his parents' wishes, (laughs) um, (laughs) a 17-year-old son uh, holds a house party 
while his parents go on vacation. Oh, I've lived that dream. <laughs> I really have. A few times. Yeah. So yeah. in this case, uh, their son, his name is Jeff, he thinks big. So... <laughs> <laughs> so he uh I laughed but it's not funny. No, no he, he advertised the party on the internet. He charged a $10 entrance fee for entrepreneurial, the, right? For those who wish to drink beer, $5 if you didn't want to drink beer. Uh party was fairly popular. Uh over 100 people attended. He didn't know most of them. He lost control of the party. As the evening went on, things started to disappear from the house. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, there ends up being a uh, an altercation uh, involving a vehicle, and somebody is injured at the end of the party. So the the parents and uh, and the son, their lawyers bring a motion, and they say, "Hey, we rely on the Supreme Court of Canada case. There's no social host responsibility." People were intoxicated. An accident happened because yeah. of the intoxication. We're not responsible. And the judge rejected that argument and said that the environment created by the by Jeff, the child, was inherently dangerous. He invited underage teenagers to the party, and he was offering alcohol at the party, so he was actually providing it. Uh, he found that because of his actions, he was creating this situation of, of danger. And... They were underage. He wasn't monitoring it. Okay. And dismissed the motion and found that they could be responsible. Also found, with respect to the parents, that uh, leaving a 17-year-old at home with minimal supervision created some issues on their part. And uh, I mean, that's not illegal, though. It's not illegal, but in terms of what's reasonable, in terms of a... Uh, reasonable duty of care the judge didn't decide on it but he said i'm not going to dismiss the case against the parents and we're going to hear about those issues at trial oh okay gotcha uh so he left open the question whether yeah whether that could be a basis for liability okay oh, kind of kind of an interesting case and in that i think we can all envision that type of scenario oh, happening. Oh, oh yes um if you only had the time. <laughs> <laughs> so another one, uh, again, a situation I think we could see happening, a 2008 case out of Ontario. And in this case, uh, a teenage daughter asked the parents if she could have a party while the parents were away. So she asked for permission. Oh, she actually asked them for Okay, yeah. this is interesting. And the parents gave her permission but told her that there was to be no alcohol served. So they said, yes, you can have a party, but they gave her some restrictions. And they said no alcohol to be served. They put some limits on the amount of guests. And any people that were intoxicated were to be told that they should stop drinking. Okay, so we have a scenario that, you know, there are some guidelines here. Yep. All right. Sounds sounds common. We, sounds we good. May have okay, yeah, yeah. So uh, an accident ends up happening. Uh, this was a, a car accident and unfortunately result, resulted in two attendees of the party uh, uh, receiving catastrophic injuries. So, Ooh, okay. Um, so, I mean, we make light of some of the facts, but it resulted in a, in a yeah, very serious yeah, a injury. Yeah, serious thing, yeah. Yeah. So the defendant said, hey, we didn't serve any alcohol. She actually abided by the rules. Okay. And she said, we didn't, we didn't serve any alcohol, so if we didn't serve any alcohol, we certainly can't be responsible. Uh, the court rejected that argument and said that the parents were aware that there was a party contemplated. Uh, they acknowledged that it was likely that alcohol would be consumed by underage guests. Remember the rule that said if anybody was drinking, they mm-hmm. would be told to stop. Mm-hmm. So they, they acknowledged that that was likely to happen. 
and they hadn't taken any steps to ensure that the rules were actually followed. Yeah, no enforcement or monitoring or any of that stuff. That's right. Yeah. So they said in all those circumstances, the fact that the daughter didn't actually serve the alcohol wasn't enough to negate the liability of okay. uh, of the parents in that case. So that was kind of a, a duty to supervise type case. So interesting to me in that the law has consistently, even since the Supreme Court of Canada said that we don't have social host liability, the law has consistently found that if someone is providing alcohol or allowing minors to consume alcohol yeah. and injuries result, that liability will be found. And as we see from those cases, it can be found not only against the person that's hosting the party, but it can be found against anybody that could have control over over those circumstances. Yeah, like the property owner. Yeah, sorry. And I mean, not only people that provide the alcohol, but also the people that are hosting the party yeah. and uh, yeah. and have control over circumstances. So a couple of interesting issues from there. Uh, one, um, freshmen are not likely to be legal age to drink. So these types of issues do arise in these parties that we see, mm-hmm. for example, on Winterberry. Uh, second of all, uh, it's a very good reason for the parents who are signing up on these leases uh, to make sure that there's some sort of liability insurance in place. Because if injuries do occur, if somebody comes into my office and they've underage drinking or have been injured by somebody who was an underage drinker at one Mm -hmm. of these parties, I'm going to be looking uh, for some insurance and some liability on behalf of whoever was hosting the party. uh, That's my job. I'd be irresponsible if I didn't. Right. Uh, And so they're going to be named in legal proceedings so that I can get that information. So they should definitely be making sure that there's some liability insurance. So in the case of what happened in Thorold, um, now, as far as we know, thank goodness, there were no serious injuries incurred or anything of that nature this time so but but sh- if there had been like if a riot had broken out or whatever and there were fisticuffs and injuries or somebody got hit by a car whatever the heck it is how do they unravel that kind of thing with there's 500 people and you don't know who came from where or whatever does it come right back to who signed the lease as tenants of that place uh, or their parents um like the, the the fight scenario is a little bit complicated because in that scenario the police are going to do an investigation because they're going to be looking at criminal charges. Okay, uh, let's deal. Okay, take the fight out of it. Yeah. Let's deal with the car accident scenario. Or, or let's deal with what we see in the uh, from what I saw in some pictures in the newspaper. I got people on the roof, right? Okay, people are standing yeah. on the roof. Yeah, uh, let's say something terrible happens and one of those people uh, they're inebriated sure. and they falls off, off the, the roof. roof. Yeah, right. In that case, uh, if it's a party situation. And that person that fell is underage. You'd be looking to whoever was throwing that party. So that's the tenants of that house. Mm-hmm. I told them not to call me here. <laughs> okay, so so this is really good advice, though. Uh, in any time, if you have a student going away um, to some other residence. Something to think about if something crazy happens while they're a tenant and you've got signed documents that you're responsible for that place. Make sure they have tenant's insurance. The cost is next to nothing to have it. And uh, if you're signing on the dotted line for that lease, it's a very good idea. Yeah, okay. Interesting stuff. Chris Richard, thank you very much. Always, uh, Always a pleasure. We always learn something.